series of thoughts <clears throat> that I've wanted to share with you or I've been sharing with you over the last few weeks has to do with what I call the human experience, human, human condition. And it uh, entails uh, a series of questions that I find in the scriptures that actually reflect, uh, for the most part, our, our daily experiences. Um, and as we've looked at, at various passages and, and things, you know, what have I missed or what just happened? Um, these questions actually capture, uh, I think, where, where we are and what we encounter pretty much on a daily basis. Um, this morning, uh, I'm going to deal with the question, what shall I do? What shall I do? There are two, and I'm going to compare. We're going to use two passages of the teachings of Jesus to illustrate that uh, as we each in our own lives, as we each encounter uh, scenarios, we encounter issues, questions uh, about what we should do, we actually think within our minds uh, this question, we ask ourselves this question, what, well, what should I do? Now, uh, sometimes that's called, uh, or it could be a dilemma uh, but let, let me first say a few things about that. If we encounter something in our lives and it's of no interest to us whatsoever, we just simply dismiss it and it ceases to be any kind of dilemma or anything. Uh, in fact, I have a, a one-word statement that I say to myself when I don't care about anything. If something comes up and someone's sharing things and it's, uh, my word is whatever, you know, it just doesn't matter. However, if something is pressing upon us or if we're thinking about it or we feel that it's incumbent upon us that we, we have to do something, we should do something, uh, then that, that question, what, sh what shall I do, is one that we all will wrestle or struggle or uh, find ourselves trying to uh, resolve. The two instances that I'm going to uh, share with you this morning uh, are, are not examples of me um, preaching at you, not at all. In fact, I, I, would, rather, uh, I would rather say that I'm, I'm, I'm more of, a, uh, I'm more of a, like a guide or something. You hire a fishing guide or you hire a hiking guide or something. Uh, this is where I've been, and this is how I kind of work through some landscape, and so I'm just wanting to share that uh, with you. The point is, is that a guide is no good, not worth his salt, if he's trying to guide you and he himself has never, or she herself, has never been there, all right? Uh, and we've all, we've all had those experiences when someone is trying to tell you what to do and they have no idea exactly what they're doing. And it becomes very apparent very quickly, uh, very clearly, uh, that they're idiots. They don't know what they're talking about. This question, what shall I do, is one that I find myself, that I engage with frequently about various things. And so the two instances uh, that I'll be sharing that Jesus taught out of the book of Luke, one was in uh, Luke 12 and the other was in Luke 15, and, and both you probably be very familiar with. But I want to draw out a couple of things from that that I think are are embedded in, 
in these uh, accounts that Jesus teaches. We're also going to break it up. I'd like to approach it from uh, the standpoint of, of that we live our lives and we make decisions based on either one of two things, one of two categories. I, I like categories. Um, one is we make decisions exclusively regarding ourselves, just ourselves. We are self-serving. Uh, we're self-preserving, all right? Or, or we make decisions based on the well-being or the goodness of others. And I think all of us can look within ourselves, if we're honest with ourselves, and determine, are we self-serving? Do we just think of ourselves first, or do we think of others first? The second category that we'll be looking at with these two passages has to do with, do we think about things of just today, or do we give thought about tomorrow? Uh, do we think about things that are just of this world, of this life, or do we think about the next world? And we make our decisions, and that's, this is the thing. We determine what we shall do based on these two categories. If I'm self-serving and I'm only thinking about this world and this day, then my decision of what I shall do is going to go down a certain pathway. On the other hand, if I think of others before myself, and I also think of eternity, then that's going to determine what I shall do on any given day. I've also uh, wanted to approach it from a kind of a variation of our language of, uh, of, of, you know, what shall I do? And I find that it's, it's important to me that you have to consider, well, what, should I, what, what shall I do? What could I do? what should I do, and then what will I do, all right? These three things that we'll, we'll keep pinballing and hitting throughout this morning. The first passage I would like to read is from Luke 12, and Jesus was giving this parable. Now, a parable is a story that uh, an earthly, has earthly uh, characters and earthly instances but actually reveals an eternal or a heavenly meaning. In other words, uh, as I've said over the years, uh, I love the old Latins when they would have certain phrases that would capture things. And one phrase that I think is so, so appropriate is afateorium, which means even more so. So anytime Jesus would teach something and he was using a parable, it was, it was basically saying this, you know, as real as this is in this life, even more so, it is real regarding eternity. So that's how we'll approach it. He spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? since I have no room to store my crops. Now, this is the first occasion that we can see the two. What shall I do? Well, what could I do? Or what should I do? Those are two vastly different things. Let's think about a little bit for, about the rich man. What could I do? Well, his barns were full. He had had a great season and everything. If he's thinking about himself, he will take care of himself and himself only. And if he's thinking about only the day, and he's not thinking about tomorrow necessarily, he will think along those lines. What about what should he do? Well, 
What should he do depends on who he believes in. If he believes in himself and himself only and his, and his, his own happiness apart from other people, then he's going to be negligent of anyone outside of him. In other words, he's always going to be the first in line whenever there's food served. He will not think about the, those who are having to wait in line, all right? So then he says, well, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? Well, I'm sure he had neighbors. I'm sure he had things. Perhaps he had family, whatever. But this is what he said, I will do. And this is what reveals how he thinks. He said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns, my barns, and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool. This night your soul shall be required of you. Then whose things will these things be which you have provided, parenthetical, for yourself? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So we can see that from the three words, what, what shall I do, or what could he have done, obviously something different. What should he have done depends on how he was raised. Did he believe in God? Obviously not. If he did, he believed in himself more than he did God because he took care of himself before God, neighbors, anyone else. So that's what drove him, determined, and made him decide, this is what I will do. And if you notice, I will do it. It's my barns. It's my crops. I will set it back for me. So in this, we find that the question, what shall I do, in this case is an instance where he didn't really have an accurate view of all of life. He had an accurate view, perhaps, of his life. And that's the interesting thing. When we look at just our, our life, and we take care of only our things and our interests and our preservation. Do you realize when that happens how narrow your view becomes of the world? We call it self-serving. Yeah, it, no, it's selfishness is all it is, flat out. And so when we think in those terms, our, our, our worldview, our considerations, our kindness never extends beyond who we are. And so in this case, when he said, well, what shall I do? I think he made the wrong decision. Obviously, God says you're making, you've made the wrong decision because of everything that you have done. Now, now whose things are they? The scriptures validate this throughout both the Old and the New Testament. I would like to share a reading from one of the wisdom books, Ecclesiastes, because I think it captures it captures what I consider a very accurate view of not just this life, but all of life, both this life and all of life. All right, here's what, here's what Solomon says. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with everything to see how I can enjoy pleasure. I searched in my heart 
how to gratify all of my desires with wine, um, with, with happiness. I made my works great. Now remember, this is Solomon writing this, the wisest man on earth. I made my works great. I built myself houses. I planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which the water of the growing of the trees of the grove. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings in the provinces. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure or desire. For my heart rejoiced in all of my labor. Reminds me of the rich man, doesn't it? Uh, I'll say to my soul, hey, let's just enjoy this. I've done well. And this is my reward, Solomon writes, from all my labor. I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had toiled. And indeed, all was vanity and grasping for the wind, for there was no profit under the sun. What should we do? What shall we do? What do we determine to do? Depends on how we view life. It depends on how we view ourselves and those around us. The thing about the rich man in this parable that Jesus gave, the first one, he never was able to or chose not to look beyond himself. He just looked at himself, considered himself, preserved himself, and it ended up at the expense of him losing everything that he wanted. The second thing, he never saw beyond that day, this world, what there was, whatever he could hold, whatever he could possess, that seemed to be the all in all. There was an interesting conversation I came across, uh, it was recorded years ago, but I'd like to share it, and it has to do with a conversation that a young man who had started with a company had with an older gentleman who had a a life full of experiences. So the older man, once the young man came to work in the company, he said, well, he said, um, what, why did you come here? He said, well, I wanted, to learn my, I wanted to learn how to do this. I wanted to learn my trade. And the older man said, well, and then what? And then he said, well, I'm, after I learn what I'm going to do, I, I hope to eventually set up my own business and be my own owner and everything. And the older gentleman said, and then what? He said, well, then I, I, I hope to make my fortune and have a, a retirement home and have all these things uh, so that I can just enjoy. And the older gentleman said, well, and then what? Well, I said, I, he said, I, the young man said, I guess I'll grow old and I'll retire and I'll just live on my money and just do everything that I wanted to do. The older gentleman said, well, and then what? Well, he says, I suppose someday I will die. And the older gentleman said, and then what? How we view this life and how we view ourselves determines the answer of what shall I do. The second instance that I would like to share is several chapters later. And again, it's a very, very important um, and very familiar parable, 
and I don't want to just keep repeating it because I will refer to it, but it's because I believe it's probably one of the greatest theological parables that we have in, in all of the Bible, and it's the parable of the prodigal son. But embedded in that are some incredible truths that are for us uh, today. So again, thinking of, well, what shall I do? Well, what could you do? What should you do? And what will you do? You know. So here's the, here's the parable. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, and I want you to listen to the references, Father, Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to to them his livelihood. The father gave to the sons. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. That's where we get the word prodigal son. And when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and that citizen sent him into his fields to feed the swine or the pigs. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods or the foods that the pigs ate, because no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perished with hunger? Now here, we don't read what shall I do, but the human experience tells me that's the question that rolled around in his mind. What shall I do? I'm perishing I have nothing. No one cares for me. I'm starving to death. I've wasted everything. What shall I do? It's interesting that in this particular parable that, again, we find that initially he thought only of himself. He wanted what was he thought his But in actuality, it was a gift. It was an inheritance. But yet, he felt entitled, did he not? It was his, but it really wasn't. It was a gift to him, but he took it and he claimed it as his own. He was entitled. And at that point, we still can go back to these three words. What could he have done with that inheritance? Well, obviously, Anything other than wasting it on whoredom or anything other than traveling to a far country and just doing and living like he wants. What should he have done? Well, we know that he obviously had been raised in a godly home. Why? Because we're going to read where he realizes eventually that he had sinned against God. All right. So he knew about God. He knew about the right way. He knew about what he should do. So he, he should have done that. He could have done that, but he didn't do it. Why? Because he determined, I will do what I want to do. Give me what is mine. And so he took his and he spent it like he wanted. He went where he wanted 
He lived like he wanted, and yet it ended very, very badly for him. Now, that's the significance of that question, what shall I do? To think of only today and only of ourselves ends badly because it's not the only way that we can live. It's just the way that we choose to live. What shall I do? Well, he could have done something different. He should have done something different, but he did not. But then we find something very interesting. If we take into account, and I believe that this is the case, I can, the reason I say I think this, this is what was in his mind, that question, though we don't read it in the scripture here. I believe with all my heart that question was in his mind. Why? Because that's the silent question always in my mind. You don't hear me say that. What should I do? I don't hear you say it when you're engaged in some sort of issue or dilemma. I don't hear you say that, but I know that that question is bouncing around in your mind. What shall I do? I call that the silent question. It's a silent question that actually is a, sh it actually is a shadow of my intention and of my actions. What shall I do? He answers it. That's amazing. I will arise and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So in this second parable, we see a distinct difference the same question, what shall I do? But yet the answers are different in each one. In the first one, the first parable, we see where when he asked himself that question, what shall I do? He served himself and thought only of today. But in the second parable, we see something vastly different. Though he began serving himself and thinking only of a day, he ultimately came to that conclusion that he should do something different than what he had done before. And so to his question, what shall I do? The prodigal son said, well, I will go to my father. I will confess to my father. I will tell him I am not worthy. I have failed. I have wasted. I have done bad. And not only before my father, I will say that before heaven also. So in that we find... <clears throat> That again, these three words, what should I do? I should go to my father. What could I do? Well, that's another interesting thing about this. Before he went back to his father, do we not realize and see, he could have just stayed there. Or he could have tried to pull himself out. Imagine this, you're in the pig pen, he's in the pig pen. He's had total failure. Uh, he's wasted everything. No one cares for him. Now, at this point, if he asks himself the question, what shall I do? He, there is a, actually another alternative, which again, I know from personal experience, that we can say to ourselves, instead of going, in this case, back to the Father and confess, we can say to ourselves, well, it's going to be different next time. 
I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to keep on and I'm going to, I'm going to try it another way. And yet, time and time again, we find that the person who continually does the same exact thing and expects different results is truly what the Bible calls a fool. But he didn't do that. He could have done that. He could have acknowledged that, well, it's just, uh, I think of this, because of our culture, you know, what shall I do? Well, I'm going to stay here because it's not my fault. I mean, it's other people's fault that I'm here. They took my money. Uh, no one cares for me. Uh, it's this and that. You know, and they're willing to blame everyone else and everything else other than themselves. But yet, he didn't do that. What he did do was what he should have done. And that was acknowledge that it was his. He owned it. And now he was going to confess it. So, that's where, again, we see that he's doing what he should have done, I'll arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Now we know the end of the story. A beautiful story. Like I say, I think this particular parable is one of the most fascinating and, and, and deep theological statements about God. Because the scripture says that as he began making his way back, and don't you know that was a long road back? We know that. I mean, how long is it? When you go on vacation, you just, you're, when you're going, it's wonderful. When you're driving back, it's just such a drudgery, isn't it? You know? Think about him. He went, when he left his father's house, his bags were full of things that were going to allow him to live like he wanted. But on the way back, his bags were empty, and he had nothing. Long road back. What he didn't anticipate was that his father probably was watching for him every day, go out and every day would look for that prodigal son. And the father never gave up. I like that about this story. He never gave up. One day, the father saw his son long way off his demeanor had changed his clothes were ragged it didn't matter the father knew his son the father ran out embraced him kissed him dressed him in wonderful clothes, made a feast for him. And he said, my son who was dead is now alive. Now that's the end of this, of this story. But embedded in this, we find this, what shall I do? For us in our question, what shall I do? It's what you should do. We should always go to our Heavenly Father, always. We should not think of ourselves. We should always think about eternity and not just the day. Because in closing, here's what the scriptures say to us. Those of us who trust in our own heart is a fool, according to the writer of Proverbs. The psalmist wrote, he says, I will declare my sin. I will be sorry for my iniquities. 
The psalmist also wrote, he says, O God, you know my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from thee. So for us today, what should we do? I'll close with this final scripture. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. However, if we confess our sins, he, the Father, looking, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What shall I do? It's what you should do, what I should do. Therefore, we will. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the time to be in your house. Give pause and thought. I thank you, Lord, for preserving these passages that we can think not of others only about our lives, but also ourselves. I pray today, Lord, that these two things would be foremost in our mind. First of all, that we would not live our lives just for ourselves, but we would also think of others around us. But secondly, we would not live for just today, but Lord, we would live with tomorrow in mind. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for always watching every day for us to return. And I'll give you thanks in our Lord's name. Amen. Let's stand this morning as we come to a close. If you have a need in your life, and I hope that you understand that it is God who can meet that need in a way that no one else can. Sometimes it seems impossible or it seems unlikely, but you have to remember, with God, nothing is impossible. If you have an emptiness in your heart, he can feel that emptiness. If you have a sadness in your heart, he can restore that with joy. God can always help you if we do what we should do. As we sing, what page? In 170. 170. We sing one verse. If you'd like to come, please come this morning.